Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it so we get it. We're Jessica NTH. Today's podcast guest is Sandra Fava, a family law attorney, partner in the family law department of Fox Rothschild, working out of the Morristown, New Jersey office. We have connected with Sandra a number of times through the organization Believe, Inspire, Grow, and love her perspective and her just straight to the point way that she talks about things. And so we have her on today. We're going to be talking all about relocation, which we understand has become a much bigger issue in terms of divorce, especially since COVID. Um, So Sandra, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, ladies. I'm really excited to be here with you today. We really appreciate your time. Um, So with COVID, as we know, I mean, you know, no matter where anybody lived in the country, everyone started working from home for a really long extended period of time. And so people were, in fact, temporarily, so to speak, relocating and moving into different locations, whether it was closer to family, you know, or things like that. But when it comes to divorce, now that the world is sort of getting back to normal, you know, there are so many issues surrounding it. And I think the first place to start is, if someone has custody of their child, can they just move wherever they want? Yes. So the answer to that is no, unless their agreement or their um, divorce order gives them that authority, which is very unlikely, you know, where you have a custody or a visitation schedule where people are, if not sharing um, time with their children, you know, 50-50, at least sharing it on some level. Um, because the standard, there is a standard here in New Jersey where I practice that tells people what needs to happen if one of them wants to leave the state of New Jersey. So you can't, just because you are deemed a like parent of primary residence, these are all like key terms that people will hear and or read in their divorce documents or, um, you know, primary residential parent, Um, doesn't mean that you can automatically just get up and leave because you have that kind of uh, title. Is there an age difference though for when you can? Because I know that in my divorce agreement, there was a certain, like neither one of us can move beyond 50 miles from the primary resident location. And I I mean, primary parent, I, I don't even know if they use that word anymore, primary parent, but whatever I had, I was the home base. Yeah. And so we couldn't move beyond 50 miles and you also could not move out of state. Right. So in, how does this happen now? So the, the thing that you're talking about, the moving within a certain, you know, not being allowed to move within a certain mile, we call those radius clauses. And again, those are things that people voluntarily agree to. If you were in front of a judge having a trial, more likely than not, it's very rare that judges will um, order radius clauses, again, because it's contrary to the law in our state at the moment. So those things, those types of um, agreements are voluntarily consensually agreed upon between two parents where they say, we want the kids to stay in this area for the schools or for their friends or for whatever, you know, a combination of reasons. And so we're gonna pick a radius clause. And sometimes it's 50 miles, sometimes it's 10 miles, sometimes it's 15, you know, those are negotiated points in in a document. When a child reaches the age of majority, right? When they're able to leave your home, whether it is to go to work full-time or enter the US armed services or to go away to college, then 
you don't need permission to relocate. Um, if they're of, of the age of majority, which is 18 here in New Jersey, then a parent can choose to go wherever they want at that point. And so the older children are, generally speaking, the more input they have into whether or not they want to move or they want to relocate. But that becomes, in my opinion, a double-edged sword because also the older children become the more manipulative. And I'm not saying that children are bad. They're not. They're just, you know, typical teens, preteens. They know how to work the parents, work the system. And so they will oftentimes, you know, if, if they want to stay because of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, you know, they just don't want to leave their friends, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that they're making a decision based on what is truly best for them, but making decisions based on what, you know, young brains make their decisions on. It's best for them. Right. <laughs> and their needs at that distinct moment. Right. During COVID, when it when really people were kind of fleeing certain areas, you know, I'm here in New York City and people were definitely like, you know, racing to get out. It, it, it definitely seemed that there was a lot of circumstances where um, one parent or the other were taking the kids, you know, into, into different locations. Everyone, as we know at the time, thought it was going to be a very temporary situation. Mm-hmm. Then as time went on and on and on, people were quarantined together. You had to be in your pods. There were a lot of people that were, you know, obviously super strict about it. And then there came a point at which people had already been living far away or in different places for extended periods of time. And I know of some circumstances where the people were like, you know what, I'm not going back to my office and I'm going to stay here in Austin, Texas, or whatever the case may be. And so what are you seeing and how are those things being handled now that COVID is such a huge part of the equation and has allowed people to be able to work from home and live anywhere? Yeah, so COVID definitely threw an interesting wrench into the mix of this whole concept of relocation because, you know, just like you said, Jessica, people, I found almost somewhat surprisingly that people were really flexible with like what they would consider temporary moves, right? So we rented a place in Florida, we're going to go down there for, the, you know, a month or t- a month, and then a month turned into two months because then school ended up virtual, not only for the end of the 19 school year, um, but for all of the 20 school year, right? Um, or maybe I have my years wrong, but- Those know. are right. Okay, good. Um, and and then exactly that, once once the adults realize and a lot of corporations realize is like, we can have a lot of flexibility or, you know, workers said, I don't need to n- live in New York or New Jersey or high cost living areas. You know, I, I'm here, I can stay down here. I can still do my job, I'm doing it well. You know, depending on what industry you were in, there was a lot of flexibility with, you know, whether or not you had to return to the office, uh, when you had to return, how often you had to return. And so the devil is in the details for those families. If you, you know, just kind of had a very lax, loose conversation, hey, you know, we we rented a place down here, we're going to go down here for a couple of weeks, and then we'll come back. And then that just ended up getting extended, you know, and and nothing was really formalized. And now that parent is saying, like your example, hey, I'm going to stay in Austin, Texas, we've already been here now almost 18 months. The other parent has a much difficult or harder argument to say, no, you have to come back to New Jersey. Why? Because, Because they were they, it was a permissive move, they didn't object to it. And, you know, with the passage of time becomes a new normal. 
right? You set a new precedent. You set the new, exactly. You set a new precedent. You, you've established new boundaries and new normals. And now that child is a year and a half older and they've established new relationships. And so, you know, in the court, the standard in New Jersey changed in, I think, 2016 in a New Jersey Supreme Court case, uh, Bisping versus Bisping. And the standard became what is in the best interest of the children. It used to be that it couldn't be inimical to the children's best interest, which means it couldn't harm the children. Now the viewpoint, although, you know, it seems like we're mincing words because we're lawyers and judges and, you know, that's what we love to do, but best interest is really a higher standard that says, you know, is this what's best for the children? And a lot of times flip-flopping in a situation, whether it's between mom and dad's house or, living in one place and going to another place or schools or even a therapist generally you know those kinds of like erratic changes are not good because studies show us that children do best with consistency and structure and so if they are in a new place and they've got consistency and they've got structure and they can show that they're doing well their grades haven't slipped. They're getting a quality education, something- but they're not seeing that other parent. I know, but now, right. Now you only have one parent in your life. But they are seeing that other, you know, so, you know, before, even before COVID, a lot of, we were using technology just like Zoom and FaceTime for parents who were relocating for non-COVID reasons, right? Typical situation, parents get divorced. I'm gonna use, you know, gender stereotypes. Mom gets remarried. Her new husband, I, you know, I actually had a case like this. Her new husband's a doctor. He gets a great, fantastic job in a hospital in Pennsylvania. And so, you know, she wants to move and she's pregnant by the way with, you know, a child with her new husband and she wants to, and she's a parent of primary residence and she wants to move. And the court allowed her to move because it was not a bad faith request to move. You know, she didn't do it just to spite her spouse. And in the, and the way they, you know, kind of, um, make up for the lost time is, you know, you do a lot of technology, space time, to that other over breaks, long weekends, and then certainly in the summer. And so that's the give and take is that you can't do that, you know, and, and I've had other cases where parents, you know, like dad would fly every other weekend to from he moved to Florida, he'd come up every other weekend from New Jersey just to have time with his, you know, with his kids that he moved out of state from. And then when they got to a certain age, they could fly on a company everybody was com comfortable with it. Kids would get on a plane. I mean, people, people do it. That's very disruptive. Like I was honestly, when we were figuring out our custody time, um, he wanted 50, 50 and he wanted one night, my house, one night, his house, one night, my I'm like, they can't be packing their bags every day. They're, they're not even going to know where they are. And, yeah, and yeah. then when you bring this up, if my kids were younger, my ex is now living in Florida, this would be a really big problem. But all of my children are away at school. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit more manageable. But just the back and forth living two miles away is a lot. The, the trauma, I would imagine, for a child to pack your bags, get on a plane, because now you can travel alone, to go see your parent for four days and then get back on a plane and come home. It's like, how is that in the best interest of the child? So I, I have a lot of parents and uh, more often I would say mothers who have that exact reaction. And I've had this conversation ad nauseum 
with, you know, at CLEs, judges are talking about it. But to me, more importantly, I've had it with a lot of forensic child psychologists who have authored articles or who give out articles, you know, suggested articles that they haven't authored, but that they rely upon. And so what you're explaining to each is a lot more of a fear of a parent than it is of a child. Children are a lot more flexible and um, adaptable than we give them credit for and then, than adults are. You know, you're thinking about, oh, I have to get on a plane every week. They're thinking, that's so cool. I get to go on a plane by myself right. and go to Florida, you know, and swim in the pool and we're going to do this. They're not looking at it like that necessarily. Now, older children are, definitely do have a harder time with an adjustment because yeah. as we said earlier, they're used to their stuff, their, their places they hang out with, they don't wanna leave their friends. That's a tougher, that's definitely a tougher um, group to address when it comes to something like this. But younger children are, are more flexible and, and really what they wanna know is, what's important to them is that mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad want to me right. and that they, they still love me even though we're not living in the same house. Now mm -hmm. I think an important fact or point that you raised um, TH about when you're in vicinity right when you're close to each other and you do 50-50 the one thing that irks me as an attorney who's guiding people is I say to people keep don't don't please don't sit suitcase your kid back and forth keep yeah. enough stuff at your house Correct. keep enough stuff at your house they just need to come and like grab their whatever they they have in their hands whether it's a teddy or something like that and come to your house it shouldn't be that they have to like put all their stuff that gives kids anxiety because totally. they miss something they're going to forget their homework and if you have parents who can't get along who can't put their kids ahead of themselves you know i I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a phone call on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, my son left his book at my ex's house and my ex won't bring the book over and says, I can't go over. If I go, if I go to the um, curb, he's going to call the police on me. What do I do? And I'm like, well, he's going to miss his assignment then. Cause you know, certainly you shouldn't be calling the police. That's not healthy for them. Right. Um, and you just have to explain to the teacher what happened over the weekend. That's, so that's really tough. unfortunate. Totally. So it sounds like you're saying if someone is already divorced and they have their agreement set up and they live in whatever vicinity of each other and everything is kind of already set, that maybe it's not that difficult to relocate out of state if they no, decide no. to? It is difficult. They have to prove that this relocation is in the best interest of the child or children. So it's a higher standard than what it used to be. I think what I was saying is during COVID, it became a bit easier because everything was just so like fluid and wishy-washy. And I think people temporarily were kinder almost to one another because they were scared or, you know, somebody, you know, somebody got COVID. And so they, they had to really, you know, stop and think about, okay, what am I asking for? What are we doing here? I think if you took COVID out of the picture, you know, two people who are divorced, they've lived in New Jersey, they've raised their children here. And then all of a sudden, one of them wants to relocate for whatever the reason is, that is a harder hurdle to, mm -hmm. to jump over at this point, because now the standard is the best interest of the, of the child or the children. You, you know, it is having a mini hearing in order to get the court's approval if your former spouse won't consent to it. And at that hearing, the judge is looking at, okay, why are you asking for this relocation? What is the custodial arrangement actually being exercised currently, right? Forensic child psychologists are often involved to talk to the child or children and to the parents to say, how do you feel about this? 
You know, what's the current situation? What's your relationship like with mom and dad? How would you feel about if mom or dad moved here and you wouldn't only be able to see them this way, right? Taking into account those things, making sure that they have the same access to the same, you know, similar quality of medical doctors and hospitals, right? So that they're not being, their, their safety and well-being is not at all jeopardized. Education is important that they're going to have the same access to, you know, similarly rated quality school systems, things like that. Um, and all of that's taken into account, you know, along with testimony of parents and testimony of, of experts and whoever else may be required to testify. And then after that hearing, a judge renders a decision. So not only is it difficult, it can be um, a time consuming process and it can be very expensive. And expensive flying your kids back and forth to places now, like that's, that's a huge additional expense. Yeah. And so sit, let's just put the scenario out there. Okay. So um, my kids are 10 and 12 and it's for the month of December and they go with their dad to Florida. You know, it's nice down there. We live in New Jersey. And then he decides he wants to stay there and the kids really love it and they want to stay there. Again, I'm going to take it from a mom's perspective. Like I could feel it like in my blood boiling right now. I'd be like, he freaking kidnapped the kids. He brainwashed them. They don't want to come here anymore. And I'm their mom. And talking on Zoom with your kid isn't a hug. Yes. And it's not you know, wiping away their tears. I understand technology keeps people together, but it's not, it's just not the same. It's not the same. I mean, my kids are all away at school and it's not the same as when you're with them. And I just, so what happens in that situation? They don't want to come home. They're with dad. And now you're going to go through the court system, which I'm assuming is based in Jersey or whatever state they were residing in primarily. So he has to, essentially come back to New Jersey court, right, to figure all of this out. But what happens in that situation? So if it's exactly as you've just described, if that's the real scenario, the first thing that I would do would be to file an emergent application in the courts here in New Jersey to have those kids immediately return to New Jersey. So that, um, and and often if it's that, exactly that, right? Where there's nothing in writing that says, hey, you can stay for as long as you want because that's that's what trips people up, I think. Listen, I am fully aware of how expensive the divorce process is for people, especially people who can't get along and who fight. And, you know, there's a lot of personalities in the room and and strong emotions and all of that. And so generally when, when clients go through that, and now they have a, like a little post-judgment issue and they're you know, a couple months past it. The last thing they wanna do is call up the lawyer they used or anybody else and start that whole process again. So they oftentimes mm-hmm. think, right? We can figure this out themselves, ourselves, right? We're, so I'm gonna send an email that says, you know, okay, fine, you can take them, it's good. And this is you know, one of the things that I, uh, I would offer is you know, a tip is, you want to do that, that's fine, but you need to make sure you have clear parameters around what you're agreeing to. Like right? an end date. That's right. Absolutely. So like, dear Tom, thanks for your email below. I think it's wonderful that the kids can have some time with you in Florida, but I expect that they will be on the flight home to New Jersey on, you know, no later than December 27th. We can work out the details, but my, you know, my acceptance is conditioned upon, you know, us having an, an end date in sight, right? right. 
people sometimes people obviously I'm a lawyer I talk like this every day so it's easy for me to like whip that together but not everybody's thinking like that you know people aren't always thinking about the next steps or what happens or the what ifs so in your scenario th if it's just that and there's nothing you know it's kind of just a, a very um informal agreement a phone conversation let's just say you file an, an urgent emergent application I would say nine times out of 10, the judge would order those children returned to New Jersey. And then if he wants to make an application for them to go to Florida, then he has to file something else here in New Jersey. So that application is issued, it's sent down to Florida, it's um, processed through whatever the courts are in the county where they are. Sometimes there's like marshals that are involved to make sure, especially if there's flight, to make sure the kids get on a plane and you know, you're at the airport and they're returned to you. Now they get off the plane and however they feel, they feel, but right. you know, certainly um, it's not, they, you know, kidnap, parental kidnapping is a thing and it's not a permissible thing. People right. do do what you're talking about. And so we don't allow that to happen at all. Um, I feel like this conversation, like there is a lot to be uh, covered in this conversation, but we only have so much time. So I want to kind of wrap it up with the question of if someone is in the midst of, a, they're about to get divorced, everything hasn't been finalized yet, and they know that they may want to relocate after the divorce is finalized, what would be the right way slash best way to prepare and go about that? So, you know, what I say to people when I'm working with them early on is like, you know, here are the pieces of your life's puzzle in this context of divorce, right? We have custody. All right, now let's look at custody and break down what that means, right? You know, and, and you know, just by talking to people and learning their stories, you'll often hear like, well, I live, I'm here alone, all of my family's in Ohio, or, you know, we met in college and I'm originally from California and then we moved out here for a job, right? So, you know, I'm always asking the question is like, okay, how does that feel for you post-divorce, right? And some people will say, oh no, it's fine. I have my friends, I, you know, I really feel like I'm, I'm now like a New Jerseyan and I'm settled. Other people will say, well, really, I would like to go back. And I say to people, you have to be honest with what your expectations are. You can't on the steps of the courthouse, all of a sudden say, I think I wanna move back to California because you're gonna be looked at as acting in bad faith. Because it's really going to be hard to tell a judge, well, he didn't really think of it, judge, until right now. And the judge is like, well, wh what's been going on for the last year, two, three years that this divorce has been happening? You know, or if you're in the middle of the process and all of a sudden a job comes up and you're interested in that job, you got to let your lawyer know right then and there, like, hey, I'm really interested in this. I would like to pursue this, right? So that they can, depending on where you are in the case, you know, let the other attorney know. If you already have experts involved, that's something that an expert can add to their evaluation. So if you're already having a custody disagreement about, you know, time sharing or where the kids are going to live with whom, you can add this piece to, you know, their analysis or uh, evaluation saying, hey, I'm also thinking about relocating. I would like to return to my family. So full, you know, disclosure, full disclosure as much as you can. Yes. Probably a good idea to have it in there, even if you weren't thinking about it. Like right. that's the stuff that just, well, that's the radius, but that's the radius thing. Like my radius thing is that I can move within 20 miles, but it does not say that I can't move out of state because my conversation with my first ex-husband was you can't force me to stay in New York city, unless you're going to make sure to pay for the cost of living here versus if I move over the bridge and I decide to live in Jersey. 
logistically, there really isn't a way to make that work because if my kids are going to school in New York, like I, it doesn't make sense for one parent to live in New Jersey. And at the end of the day, the truth was, and he knew it, I was working in TV in New York City. My hours were crazy. There was no way in hell I was commuting in, you know, at six o'clock in the morning or whatever the case may be. So I agreed to the radius clause. It really wasn't a big deal to me at the time. And there hasn't been a point at which I've wished that I could move somewhere else. Like our lives are here and that's fine. But I can totally understand people who are thinking that they don't necessarily want to disclose everything Right. Because they don't, they're afraid of what the reactions of the other party may be. And so they think, well, we'll just get through this part of the divorce now. And then I'll deal with that on the back end. Uh, so. I think that's exactly what happens. And that makes it all the more harder for that person when they come back after Absolutely. the back end is done and says, okay, now I want to move. And you're like, well, why didn't you tell me that like a few months ago or, you know, before we signed this document. So, you know, the thing is to be on, if you're working with an attorney and you don't feel that you're, you can be honest, then you probably aren't working with the right attorney. Right. You should be, you know, I say to people, we're going to work together. You're going to tell me your deepest, darkest secrets, more likely than not things that you might not share with your girlfriend. You have, you have to like me in order to do that. And if you don't feel like you can, then we're just not the right fit. And it's okay. Not everybody is the right fit for everybody. But, you know, you need to trust me to be able to say to me, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And then, you know, I'll tell you, I think that's, I think, well, tell me why you want to do it. Okay. Have you thought about this? Can, you know, maybe we can work it out this way. You know, it, everybody's different. Everything is so unique. You know, the relationship that one client may have with their spouse versus what the two of you have gone through, you know, as you know, it's just, it's very unique and very different. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a war. There are ways to talk about it and work around it. Some people say, you know, I don't want them to move now, but I'd be open to thinking about it when the kids are a certain age, mm -hmm. because at that point, you know, I'm going to be this far in my career. And I've always thought about doing this. Maybe there was a family plan that, you know, was kind of rumbled around at some point in time. And maybe both people are from New Jersey. And so at a certain stage, they both like to leave. Like, it's not always the worst case scenario, but how am I to know that if we're not, if you're not sharing that with me? And if you're not even there yet in your life, I mean, the three of us know that things can change in an instant in your life yep. in ways that you never predicted. Uh -huh. And so as much planning as you can do to at least have parameters or at least say the words in your agreement, even if you don't come to a conclusion, but just say, you know, at this point, this conversation needs to be revisited because I, I, I just feel like the last thing I want to do is go back to court and call my lawyer. And there have been a few times where I was having holy shit moments that I thought I was going to have to do that. Unfortunately, it didn't. But that's the last place you want to be. So planning for college, planning right. for relocation, planning for kids travel, planning for where they're going to live, who's paying their expenses, even after 18, including potential relocation, I would imagine is something that's that's really important. And, and if you're working on it now and paying the lawyers now, then now's the, now's the time. Yeah. If you, if you can do that, that, you know, that's absolutely, an, or building in triggers that allow you to have a conversation again, or to go back and review, you know, what my opinion is that with younger children, right. You, you know, people get divorced, they have a two-year-old or a four-year-old, or, you know, you can't expect what you agree with a two-year-old to work when that two-year-old is now seven or eight years old. 
their or lives 15 change. years old right it's just it's not it's not a static situation so you know i like i remind people of that and say like why don't we have a clause in here you know every two years you're going to have a discussion if you want to change things you're going to then go to mediation to try to work it out and if that doesn't work out then you'll go to courts or you can you know skip mediation go directly to court whatever you want to do and if you if you feel like hey this is still working for everybody then you don't have to do anything and you just keep plugging along but at least you have something in there because otherwise you know you have to the burden under the law is that there's been a change of circumstance and a change of circumstance to some judge isn't, hey, little Billy now has soccer, baseball, and, and this, that, and the other thing after school, and the schedule doesn't work. Judges don't really want to hear that because in their, you know, their job is to protect the relationship between parent and child. And they're saying, I'm sorry, but little Billy's relationship with mom or dad is more important than his participation in these other things, right? And so you don't want to roll the dice in that way. I don't think I wouldn't want to do it at least. Right. I have my own three kids. So I put it in that perspective when I am talking to my clients. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right. Well, we're definitely going to have to pick up and continue this conversation at another time. That was so much amazing information, really helpful because this is a situation as we have already you know, acknowledged, COVID made everything different. And it's certainly something that um, so many couples experience when it comes to, you know, keeping their arrangements going and figuring out what works for everyone and where. So thank you so much for everyone who's listening on our ex-experts website. There is going to be a page for um, Sandra, all of her information, her bio, her links to everything. So you can reach out directly. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you thank for you having so me. It's always fun chatting with you ladies. It sure <laughs> is. All righty. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the ex-experts. We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook. And send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.